The following Knowledge at Warden podcast is brought to you by Vanguard, offering investments designed to help individuals and institutions reach their financial goals. Visit Vanguard.com. Why software business models of the future probably won't come in a box. Microsoft's Vista operating system should give the company a revenue stream that will run for years, but that doesn't mean the company can rest on its laurels. Experts at Wharton say the January 30th launch of the consumer versions of Microsoft's flagship software may be among the last of its kind, a product sold for a flat fee in a shrink-wrapped box. Indeed, many wonder if the software business model that has made Microsoft so dominant for the last 20 years may begin to fade in the decade to come as new software business models from open source to advertising supported gain increasing traction. Traditionally, Microsoft and most other software companies deliver software primarily by licensing shrink-wrapped products sold through retail channels or arrangements with hardware vendors. While a number of different pricing schemes for software licensing exist, customers typically pay a flat fee for perpetual use. But new models of software pricing and distribution are becoming increasingly popular. Open-source software relies on voluntary programmers to build applications that can be distributed freely. Ad-supported software includes web-based applications that are free as well, but they generate revenue through advertisements. Also on the increase, on-demand software, where customers rent software applications when they need them and pay only for what they use. All of these models pose unique threats to Microsoft, although that is hardly news to CEO Steve Ballmer, who clearly sees the challenges ahead. At a Warden Leadership Lecture this past December, Balmer noted that the two biggest competitive threats to Microsoft are open-source software and advertising-supported applications. Right now, the emblem of the first one is Linux, and the emblem of the second one is Google. But it's not the companies, it's the phenomena that present the greatest challenge to Microsoft, said Balmer. Wharton Legal Studies and Business Ethics Professor Kevin Werbach says Microsoft is right to be concerned. Ten years from now, Microsoft must be weaned from license revenue. But it's a long process, because they justifiably don't want to cannibalize a revenue stream that remains phenomenally lucrative. Meanwhile, it's not immediately clear what the software model of the future will be. Kendall Whitehouse, a senior director of information technology at Wharton, notes that there probably isn't one model that will win out. Instead, you will have a blend of business models. Kartik Hosanaga, an operations and information management professor at Wharton, agrees that a hybrid business model consisting of parts of traditional licensing, on-demand, ad-supported, and even open-source will emerge in the software industry. The winning model of the future is a hybrid, he says. The only certainty is that the internet will have a big impact on whatever that winning model is. The pressure to find new models, however, rests with Microsoft. Microsoft has the weight of incumbency and will struggle to switch to an internet-only model, Hosanaga adds. And even if Microsoft did move towards internet delivery, it's not clear that customers will buy it. If it ain't broke... Don Huseman, a senior director of information technology at Wharton, suggests that Microsoft's traditional licensing model won't fade quickly and Microsoft's financial results back him up. The revenue streams from the introduction of Vista and Office are just beginning. For the second fiscal quarter ending December 31, 2006, Microsoft reported record revenues of $12.54 billion and net income of $2.63 billion. 
It announced on January the 25th that it is projecting revenues of $13.7 billion to $14 billion for the March quarter, with much of the sales gains coming from Vista and Office. Microsoft's results show the upside of conventional software licensing, Werbach says. Licensing has the benefit of stability and predictability. It's a lucrative annuity if you manage it the way Microsoft has with Windows and Office. On the other hand, everything depends on convincing the customer to buy and then upgrade the product. In between those events, you get little or no revenue. According to Huseman, the game for Microsoft is more about experimenting with new models than making sweeping changes. For Microsoft, licensing isn't slowing down. It also has a diversified revenue stream. Yet Microsoft's licensing and distribution model typically means that it rolls up features into one all-you-can-eat software product while online rivals and open-source applications can evolve more quickly. Another challenge facing Microsoft is that it may become increasingly difficult to convince customers to upgrade, especially if its new features don't leapfrog advances provided by its competitors. For example, Microsoft included a new desktop search feature in Vista, but Google beat it to the punch with its freely downloadable Google Desktop Search. That move clearly gave Google a lead, says Hosanaga. Software licensing, however, is likely to evolve. Huseman notes that subscription services are likely to converge with traditional licensing schemes, an arrangement that is already common in the corporate world. In a corporate setting, you don't own the software as much as you pay for access to it, he says. You subscribe for routine updates, blurring the line between perpetual licensing and software by subscription. Companies that offer access to online software through subscription services, such as Salesforce.com and NetSuite, are adding customers at a rapid clip. Microsoft is also dabbling in the subscription-based service market. For instance, Office Live Essentials web service costs $19.95 a month, and Office Live Premium costs $39.95 a month. That effort, however, will probably be a precursor to other subscription services. Wharton experts note that it's likely Microsoft will add more on-demand features to future versions of Windows and Office. Microsoft will be interested in what the on-demand web applications can deliver, says Whitehouse. One potential scenario for Microsoft, provide core functionality through a traditional licensing model and allow customers to subscribe to additional features a la carte. A basic set of applications could be installed, but then the software would connect out to the web for enhanced services, he says. One advantage for the on-demand model for Microsoft is that it could roll out new features in smaller increments instead of waiting to bundle them in a big product rollout. Microsoft could release functionality on a much tighter schedule, says Whitehouse. The software could be just as feature-rich, but it would be less monolithic. You wouldn't be waiting years for the next version to be delivered to you on CDs. Hosanaga agrees that Microsoft is likely to follow this strategy, noting that operating systems will get leaner and more software will be assembled on the fly through downloads. But the on-demand model isn't perfect, according to Werbach. Service-based models lower barriers to adoption and make customers dependent on the service provider who controls their data. On the other hand, it may be easier for someone else to offer your service more cheaply or for free. Can Google make ad-funded software the norm? While the on-demand software model may be a natural avenue for Microsoft to pursue, delivering free advertising-funded applications could prove more challenging. 
Microsoft trails both Google and Yahoo when it comes to search and other advertising-sponsored web content. In Balmer's Wharton speech and subsequent comments by executives, it's clear that Microsoft sees Google's mastery of ad revenue as a big threat. At Wharton, Balmer said Google's search prowess isn't the company's biggest accomplishment. Getting search right was actually not the hardest part of the issue. They got ad funding. They really figured that out. And now the rest of us are going to have to learn that game. Advertising is a different model for monetizing software, and the question is, will we be as good at ad-funded software as we were at paid software, he asks. Microsoft may face an uphill battle. On the company's January the 25th earnings conference call, CFO Chris Liddle said Microsoft lost more search market share to Google, adding that the software giant is clearly not happy with that. Using its dominant position in search, Google may be able to monetize additional software through advertising, potentially encroaching on Microsoft's profitable software products. Indeed, Google's recently launched Docs and Spreadsheets application provides free online word processing and spreadsheet functionality, covering many of the basic features in Microsoft's dominant Office applications. To counter Google, Microsoft has launched Windows Live and Office Live, suites of online services which include search, email, website hosting, and other web-based functions. One initial problem. Microsoft's Live brand is muddled. It's not clear to most people what Live is, says Whitehouse. Huseman describes it as a work in progress and suggests that Microsoft has a lot of learning to do in the area of delivering compelling online applications. Furthermore, learning how to deliver software over the internet is challenging when the majority of Microsoft's revenues come from licensing traditionally installed software. For instance, Microsoft's online services business, which includes MSN and Live, had revenues of $624 million for the three months ended December 31, 2006, with an operating loss of $155 million. But Microsoft's client unit, which includes its operating systems like Windows XP and Vista, had revenues of $2.6 billion, and operating income of $1.88 billion for the December quarter. Microsoft's business division, which includes the Office Productivity Suite, had revenues of $3.5 billion and operating income of $2.16 billion. What remains to be seen is whether ad-supported software will become the norm. Ad-supported models are great if A, the ad dollars are there, and B, you can effectively broker between advertisers and customers, says Werbach. For Google, this is a financial goldmine, but for many startups during the dot-com bubble, it was a recipe for disaster. Hosanaga agrees that ad-supported software has its limits. Not every type of ad-supported software will work. I can't see a Wall Street analyst using a spreadsheet and then having an ad pop-up. Open source goes mainstream. Perhaps the most vexing model for Microsoft to counter is the open source movement. Will open source do a better job than a proprietary software company, any software company, asked Balmer at the Wharton Lecture Series. It's an interesting question, not just for us, but for anybody who is interested in business. Can paid, commercial people do a better job than unpaid volunteers? The answer, I think, will be yes, but we're going to have to push ourselves. Companies such as Red Hat make money from open-source software such as the Linux operating system by selling services and support along with free software. Red Hat's model is one that would be almost impossible for Microsoft to emulate. Why? The success of open source depends on a community of software developers who are passionate about free software 
and who, in many cases, view Microsoft as the enemy. Huseman notes that open source isn't a business model as much as a social movement. For more information, please visit our website at knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.